Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Council of Elrond. I'm Dave and with me is my brother and co-host Johnny. Hello. And in today's episode we are so excited to welcome a very special guest, actor and voiceover artist Dallas Barnett, who plays the role of Bill Fernie Sr. in Peter Jackson's second installment of The Hobbit Trilogy, The Desolation of Smaug. You may also recognise him from Netflix's Sweet Tooth, AFK The Web Series, several bad guys voices in Power Rangers and will also be featuring in Netflix's highly anticipated upcoming series Cowboy Bebop. My name is Gandalf. I know who you are. <laughs> this is a fine chance. What brings Thorin open shield to breathe? So welcome Dallas. How are you? Good mate. How are you guys? Great. Yeah. Good. We're doing good. We're doing good. It's, it's really, really good to have you on. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. So do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, Dallas, like uh, where you're from and how long you've been in the film industry? Well, um, I'm originally from um, the United States. I'm, I'm now living in Auckland, New Zealand. I've been here for 20 years and just got my citizenship. Yay! Woo! <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. I've been, a, um, I've been a voice actor for most of my adult life. I had a background in uh, radio in the U.S. and I got down here in uh, New Zealand and tried to get back into radio and uh, this bloody accent wouldn't allow me to get a foot in the door so um <laughs> I to, uh, doing radio ads and tv ads and um voiceovers for documentaries and such and um one day i uh was sitting in my agent's office having a chat with her and the casting director for a uh well the biggest soap opera basically in new zealand saw me and said oh my god can you act and i'm like i don't know and i never really tried it and she cast me to play a um, basically a, uh, a gangster in the in the soap opera that plays here in New Zealand for the last thirty odd years. And nice, I up, nice. Yeah, I ended up taking out most of the main cast, and over the period of uh, I think five or six episodes. Oh wow! I'm sure you were loved for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it got to the point where um, I mean, still to this day, whenever I show up on set, um, I've got you know, main cast thumbing through their um, their daily size to see who's getting killed. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and, you know, I uh, started off there and then I got recognized um, by a couple of casting directors and, you know, they cast me to for a few movies and some TV shows. And, um, yeah, I guess the rest is history. It was 12 years ago. You know, I do all the, um, the Air New Zealand um American route advertisements. I do all the Jack Daniels advertisements here. Oh yeah, um, anything they oh, need. Oh, brilliant! Anything they need a an American accent for. I'm pretty much the go-to guy. You're the guy. <laughs> wow, Sweet. that's so cool. You've solidified your space. Yeah, there. man. If we if we went to New Zealand, we would be the Irish guys. It'd be it'd be easy to get work, wouldn't it? Let's do it, Dave. Let's move to New Zealand right away. Can't be too many Irish guys down there. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no. I mean, yeah, you, you kill it down here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Dallas, we wanted to get onto the character Bill Fernie Senior in that Bree meeting um, in the Desolation of Smog. So can you tell us a little bit about your character? Well, um, funny story. I actually, I actually auditioned to play um, the Pale Orc in the in the series. No way, Azog. And um, obviously, I didn't get it because I'm not built like like Manu Bennett. Um, <laughs> but. Um, you know, I just passed it by. I figured, well, there's another movie coming. I'll audition for something there. And um, my agent calls me 
you know, I'm sitting at sitting at dinner in a restaurant and she calls me and she goes, Hey, can you be in Wellington tomorrow morning? You know? And I said, yeah, why? Well, Peter Jackson kind of wants to meet you and have a chat. Um, they have written a part for you. They saw, they saw your, um, wow. they saw your audition wow. and they, they saw something they liked in it and they want to use you, but not for, not for Azog. Yeah. And I'm like, what, you're kidding, Peter. Who is this really? Right. Um, so I, got up and got packed and went down to Wellington the next day. And um, they said, well, we, we don't have an opening for this movie. We're supposed to be two movies and now it's three. So we're going to do a completely new opening for the desolation of Smaug. And we want to kind of reach back into the, um, into the lore and go for where the, the meeting of Gandalf and Thorin happened. So we need a way to open that up and, we've mm. written this character do you know who bill fernie is and i was like yeah he's yeah blah 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 mm -hmm. so we're you know this is back several years before the lord of the rings timeline so we're not going to cast you as bill fernie but his father yeah sure and i was like okay that's cool and um mm. yeah sold <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's incredible that they just actually peter jackson saw you and like had you in mind while writing this character that's amazing yeah i mean you know, I'm, I'm a rather large human being i'm a i'm about 150 kg scarred up and tattooed and <laughs> eye and just i i have um what's been described as a resting fuck you face <laughs> <laughs> you have so, a unique uh, look <laughs> yeah um he he said, well, one other thing, do you mind if we shave your eyebrows? I'm like, man, if it'll get me onto The Hobbit, you can shave anything you want. <laughs> as long as you do it, man. <laughs> you can fax that and crack for all I care. <laughs> I did not notice that your eyebrows are shaved in that scene. But now, as soon as you said it, yeah. I got an immediate like flash of your face on that, in that scene. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, he's got no eyebrows, which I don't know why that isn't noticeable before. Yeah, they said it would make me look more intimidating. And I'm like, yeah, well, okay. You, you know, <laughs> you guys are the experts. And yeah, we got down there. Um, I got down there for the shoot week. Um, I was on I was on location for the entire week. They had rebuilt Brie from the original sets. Um, PJ keeps every scrap. I mean, he's got offcuts of leather from <laughs> Deadly. the Lord of the Rings series that he hasn't thrown away. So he's a hoarder. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he's pulled Brie out of the warehouse, rebuilt it at Stone Street Studios down to the last detail. I mean, there's the, the false fronts of the houses and stuff like that along the main street of Brie. They're furnished. You'll never wow. see inside wow. them on a camera. Um. They're furnished. They've got wow. they've got lamps. They've got chairs. It's hyper detailed. And I'm, I'm walking through the street, and it, they've got the wind machines going, and they got the rain machines all up. And you know, I'm looking into these into these houses along the street, and there's there's extras moving around inside to cast shadows. So it gives wow, kind of the detail. Yeah, if if you look if you look at the the scene right after Peter bites the carrot. Um, walking yeah. through the, the two people that slide out of the shadows to follow Thorin in that um, in that first mm -hmm. opening scene. That's me and and the squint. Oh yeah, yeah. They cut about five minutes of what we shot out. There was a chase scene and a small little scuffle and um, stuff like that. But hopefully that'll be released onto the uh, onto the unicorn edition when it comes out. 
But I mean, you can see if you, if you pay attention to that scene, you can see shadows in some of the windows. Yeah. From the lighting and all that. That's crazy. Just the amount of detail that they go into to like try and build this world and make it feel like it's lived in. It's also really, really helpful, I'm sure, to immerse the actors in the role. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've been a Lord of the Rings Hobbit fan since I was eight, I think. You know, I started, I started reading, reading Hobbit at eight or nine years old. Um, I'm a Dungeons and Dragons player. I've been, I've been doing that for most of my life um, mm. and had a lot of experience in Middle Earth and we played through that and, you know, seeing Bree, the, the bones of Bree and being able to walk through it with a sword in my hand was just like, I'm fanboying yeah. out. Oh my God. I would absolutely love that. I would probably shit my pants if that happened though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was, I was, you know, was, <laughs> you know, I'm sitting here with, you know, probably my favorite director of all times um, in a, in a, timeline and the storyline that i have loved since i was a kid and you know it's like it's like oh my god it's real you know yeah that's incredible that's so cool and uh, just before we continue just to mention to our listeners in case they don't know anything about the character that you played or well we've already mentioned who you played in it but also where that character came from and as uh, i didn't even realize now but you've just told us that peter jackson actually wrote that part based on a having seen your audition. So that's amazing. But um, to any of our listeners that don't know, um, Bill, Bill Fernie's, uh, well, Bill Fernie Sr. here, uh, his son was also called Bill Fernie and he appears in the Fellowship of the Ring book. And he features quite heavily in that uh, part where the, the hobbits go to Bree. And he's kind of a bit of a shifty character and he's basically like a spy for Saruman and he sells information about the hobbits. And he actually also happens to sell build the pony to to aragorn for i think it's like four times what it's worth or something like that um so he's just this is the character and i think in the end he he ends up getting kicked by build the pony which is uh what what he what he deserved but um well deserved yeah that's the character of bill fernie that appears in the original lord of the Rings series and so that's really cool that they they saw you and they said okay we're gonna find a place for this guy in it and they 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 made you bill fernie senior so that's uh that's really awesome yeah um, um... Bill Sr., um, the, the description I got of him is he's a highwayman, um, mercenary, um, basically a thug. Um, Bree is basically like the uh, the Star Wars cantina at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just full of, of absolute troglodytes and, and people who would stab you in the back as soon as look you in the face. And uh, Bill is – Big Bill is – one of the heavy hitters in this town at this point. Right. He's, um, he's like the Greedo. Yeah, yeah. He's um he's the mafia boss in the town. Mm, so maybe the Java. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was uh he was contracted by an agent of, of Sauron to basically assassinate Thorin before he can figure out who he is and what he has mm. to do. Um and then apparently my guys met Gandalf on the road and it didn't work out for them. Um, right. Okay. So I mean, yeah. His, yeah, yeah, they they thought he was a beggar, and yeah, the small matter of running into Gandalf the wizard. Uh, yeah, yeah. Think, um, yeah, thinking he, thinking he's an old an old feeble man, and uh, that's, <laughs> that's not going to end well for anyone. Never underestimate an old man traveling by himself <laughs> in the wilderness. <laughs> I ran into some unsavory characters whilst traveling along the Greenway. They mistook me for a vagabond. I imagine they regretted that. One of them was carrying a message. His black speech. 
promise of payment. For what? Your head. Someone wants you dead. Um, I know you touched on it a bit there, but I just want to ask you about what the overall experience was like, like being on the set of a blockbuster Hobbit movie and being surrounded by acting legends such as Ian McKellen. Well, and- here's here's the thing. This was this was my first major project mm. ever. Wow, it's a it's a big one to start off on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like throw me straight into the straight into the deep end. Um, I did some stuff with uh, Andrew Adamson from Shrek. Uh, I was on a on a film called Cirque du Soleil Worlds Away. And mm-hmm. that, that's, you know, the New Zealand film industry is pretty much um, has a very independent film vibe at the best of times. Mm. Um, it's a small industry. Everybody knows everybody else. You know, we laugh, we have fun. Um, getting on to The Hobbit, was just like they brought these these heavy hitters in from the U.S. and Andrew Lesney and and all these top of their career kind of people, and it's it's like it's a machine. Um, yeah. As soon as cut was called, it went straight back to the New Zealand independent film vibe. You know, everybody's laughing and having a good time, and um, mm. you know, I'm sitting there. They, um, I'm getting out of makeup, and Peter Jackson walks by the makeup room and he goes, well, look, I'm heading down to uh, heading down to set. I'll walk with you. So, you know, here we are, we're walking into Brie and all this other stuff and I walk into the Prancing Pony. And again, like I said, this is saved up from the Lord of the Rings series. So everything inside the Prancing Pony is just exactly as it was from the Lord of the Rings films. Um, He sat me, and he told me where I was going to sit. And I looked over and there was a scratch on the table. And it was um, basically the, the place where I sat. He sat me there for one reason. That's where Aragorn was first sat in the films. He wanted to make a callback. Ah, cool. So, and, and um, the scratched on the table was, was his initials. All oh, right. Oh, damn. Yeah, I thought I, I thought you were going to say that when you said there was a little scratch. I thought you were going to say that it was a uh, you know uh, Vigo Mortensen was here kind of thing like <laughs> yeah, scratched no, it, in or uh, something. Vigo Vigo Mortensen scratched his name into the into the table where I was sat. Cool. So, oh, that's so cool. After rap, I did as well. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Was it Dallas Barnett or Bill Fernie Senior? <laughs> no, I, I I signed Dallas. So now you can say two legendary actors have sat in this seat. <laughs> I don't know about legendary, man. You know, here's here's the thing about me. I don't want to be famous. I've seen famous people, and I don't like them. Fair. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I got no desire to be famous. The only people I want to know my name are casting directors and producers. Yeah, of course. They're the ones that pay the bills. Yeah. You know, I mean, I love what I do. I, I can see myself doing this until I can't do it anymore. Um, hmm. and I, I love my privacy. I love, I love having a separation between me and my work. So sure. if I, yeah. if I get famous, that'll just spoil everything for me, I think. But I mean, if you know any producers and casting directors, <laughs> we'll hook you up. <laughs> um, so, uh, if you, if you say like, you've met like some famous people and you don't like the way that they are, or maybe you don't, you don't like some of the people that you've met before. Um, 
how did you have any of that kind of experience on this set like i know that obviously you were on the same set as people like ian mckellen and uh, oh no 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 everybody everybody i met on on set was just i mean they i'm a supporting actor okay i'm i'm here for a week these people have been together for two years at this point already right okay i'm treated like family i mean they yeah wow wow yeah i mean the, the big the monster stars would walk past me and hey dallas how you going and ah, that's really cool that is cool. The first day we were on set, I walked in and Richard Armitage is sitting at his at his table that he is at during the scene. And they, they put him on this little tiny chair so he can look smaller compared to everybody yeah. else. And he's already <laughs> in character at this point. You know, Richard is brilliant. He's funny. He's personable. He's he's Richard Armitage, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. He's character story at this time. I'm a big, scary looking guy. I was intimidated. Yeah, <laughs> he shook me. How tall is is Richard? Because obviously in the movie he's quite short. Yeah, no, um, I'd say he's probably around my size, about six foot ish. Um, I didn't. Okay, wow. I didn't measure him up or anything, but um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you weren't towering over him or anything because you seem like a big guy. And then because like in that one shot, was there like forced perspective or uh, how did they shoot some of those scenes? Because obviously there's one scene where. Uh, Richard is sitting at the table and we see you standing up in the background and starting to walk towards him and you just seem like huge in comparison to his size. Yeah, well like I said he was on a, a very short chair. They they cut the legs halfway off a chair or something like that so it sat him down to make him look four foot tall or whatever mm-hmm. and um, there was a lot of force perspective. Um, I was probably three, three and a half meters back from him. Okay. So, um, and I'm the the costume they put me on was like layers and layers and layers of leather. Wow. Okay. Um, so I mean, they they bulked me out quite a bit. I'm I'm like I'm like 150 kg as it stands, and they packed me full of about I'd say 30 kgs of leather. Oh God, you must be sweating. It's like carrying another person. They wrapped it around me and stapled it on, basically at that point. Nice and toasty. <laughs> So, I mean, there was forced perspective and there was some padding and, um, yeah, the short chair and everything. So they, they definitely knew what they were doing with that one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just from working on the, well, from all the behind the scenes, uh, even on, well, the original Lord of the Rings, you can see that Peter Jackson's obviously, and his team, they're experts in that forced perspective style. And just, um, it's incredible the way that, like the, the different techniques that they've used to, to, to make that thing come to life instead of just using completely all CGI. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing to watch. I I learned a lot just watching these people, you know. Because yeah. when you when you're an actor, you you have a very specific thing you have to do. So there's a lot of downtime while you're waiting for them to set up for the next shot. So I'm watching these guys, and you know, like the 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 director of photography is is doing his little hand thing with the and let's shoot this way and let's shoot this way and and talking to Peter Jackson and talking to the, uh, the ADs and all that, and they're setting up and the lighting and um, just watching how everything fits together in a puzzle is just, it's, it's a masterclass. Deadly. Yeah. Wow. I'd love to just sit there for a day and just watch Peter Jackson work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, I was awestruck, you know, cause I've never been to like a film school or an acting school or anything like that, but, just watching these guys, I learned like a four-year degree in in a week. Yeah, I was going to ask that because obviously in that little 
behind the scenes featurette, we can see you walking along and chatting to Peter Jackson. And obviously we can see that you got to spend a good bit of like, you know, one-on-one time with him maybe. So do you remember anything that he told you, like uh, things that you learned from him in particular? Or does he have a similar style to other people, other directors that you worked with in the past? Or Well, contrary to popular belief, um, Sir Peter has a deep love for Middle Earth. He always has. Oh, yeah. He's got he's got a, um, a very well thumbed copy of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings on his desk. Yeah, that he has had since he was young. Um, so he knows the lore. He knows sure the world building that has to come as a part of this. And he, you know, to to be at his level, like an auteur kind of director, you've got to own everything you do and you know, there was a lot of decisions made from warner brothers with like the 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 love triangle and stuff like that, that a lot of fans didn't agree with um lord of the rings and the hobbit have always been considered unfilmable because just of the vast scope of hmm. the, the seven thousand year timeline yeah sure and it, it's just he, he takes complete ownership over his vision and he is able to he is able to communicate what he sees in his head very effectively. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, Dave and I are definitely of the opinion that we would never say that we thought Peter Jackson wasn't a, a lover of Lord of the Rings first uh, rather than yeah. uh, anything else. But um, it's interesting what you said there. Did, did you, um, I just want to make sure I heard you right. Were you saying that it's, was it Peter Jackson's decision or was it more like the studio's decision to go with that kind of love triangle? Or do you know anything it about was, it? Even? It was, it was completely Warner Brothers um, oh, really decision to do that from my understanding um, because you got to have that you got to have that romance to, to draw in yeah. the people who are not fans of Lord of the Rings yeah. you know you got to have the action you got to have the romance you got to have storyline 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 just yeah. to draw in the outliers yeah and to have like any of the young young women or young girls that aren't fans as well to have a strong female elf character maybe to to bring them in as well and to kind of to try and make it relatable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You could understand it from a studio uh, perspective as well, but um, yeah, it's interesting to see if that was the studio's call or if it was Peter Jackson's call, of course, but um, yeah. Um, cool. That's really interesting. It's cool to get some of these, uh, these insights from someone who was there uh, actually on the set. This is so yeah. cool. Breaking news. <laughs> actually speaking of just seeing things on the set and um, seeing that those featurettes as well, did did I did we see Jack Black behind the scenes as well? Was he? Yeah. What what was going on there? You know, I didn't know Jack Black was actually on set until I saw the the, the feature. Oh no way! <laughs> I mean, I walked right by him several times. Oh my god! Why? Because he was in makeup. Or? I love Jack Black. I think he's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah! And I walked right by him on set several times and didn't even recognize. <laughs> no him way! Until I saw the 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 special edition of the of the DVD, yeah. and I was like, what? Wait. <laughs> Huh? Oh my <laughs> god, know? that's so funny! You know, Ian McKellen was there, yeah. and and I have a story about Ian McKellen. I'll tell you here in a minute. Oh yeah, perfect. All these big stars that I have just admired my entire working life, and I'm finally getting treated as an equal, sitting right next to them at lunch, and you know they're they're asking questions about this dumbass Dallas who is a nobody, <laughs> you know, and they want to they want to know what makes me tick, and you know how I got into this, and and I'm just like, this is surreal. Yeah. yeah, it was it was it was a family for that week I was on set and I was accepted as part of the family and it was it was amazing. Yeah, that's deadly. I love to hear that. I received word that my father 
have been seen wandering the wilds near Dunmond. He still lives. I am sure of it. So Dallas, I'm intrigued. You said a couple of moments ago that you had an interesting Ian McKellen story. And uh, would you like to share that with us now? Well, okay. Well, I've just met Richard Armitage and I'm, I'm shook. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sitting there. I'm standing there with Peter Jackson. He's introducing me around to the crew. And, you know, this is yada yada on lights and this is yada yada on camera and you got this complete big tentpole movie set buzzing with sound and people doing whatever they're doing and i'm sitting there talking to to sir peter and the room goes dead silent and stops i mean just it halts everything stops moving and i look up at the front door to the prancing pony and there's this six foot tall gray ghost moving through the crowd and I was like, holy shit, <laughs> you know, that's, that's Ian McKellen. You know, and I've been a fan of Ian McKellen since um, a film he did decades ago called The Keep. And um, right. I'm a big fan of his. So he comes over to, um, to Sir Peter and myself. And Peter goes, Dallas, this is uh, Sir Ian McKellen, yada, yada, yada. I'm, I'm, I'm fanboying at this yeah. point. You know, I'm like, I stuck my hand out. And I was like, Sir Ian, I've been a huge fan of yours. For, uh, and I'm just talking a mile a minute. And he looks down at me and he's, he's just the, the picture of calm. I mean, he's like Zen at this point. And he looks down at me and he's, he's tall. He's, he's maybe, maybe an inch or two taller than I am. Um, and he looks down at me and looks down at my hand that's sticking out and shaking. And he goes, no, no, dear boy, your family now. We don't shake hands. He reaches out and he hugs me. Oh, God. He knew I was freaking out. Yeah. Right. He just, he took that moment to calm my big dumb ass down yeah. and it, it worked. <laughs> I think if there's anything we need in life, it's a hug from Gandalf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, he was like, you know, you're family now, we don't shake hands. Mm. And I was just like, holy crap. So like to, to calm you down, he didn't give you a toke on Gandalf's pipe or anything. He wasn't like, smoke a bit of this and that'll calm you down or calm your nerves. No, I actually, I actually had a pipe in the scene and they, they use a uh, an herbal mix Old Toby. because they can't have tobacco on set in New Zealand. Right. So they got this like herbal mix. I don't, I'm not sure what it's clove or something. And um, we couldn't keep it lit for my scenes. And I was like, you know, All right. if you let me run back to my trailer, I got something that I can keep lit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you'd be too nice in that scene on the set as well. You'd be just, you'd be too, too full of like, yeah, man, hey, how are you? Instead of actually being a badass and trying to kill. <laughs> There's the sketchy old Toby dealer in the back of the Prancing Pony. <laughs> you know, I probably would have done well if I was in the, in the Shire with the Hobbits. But, you know, I was a big, scary uh, gangster, basically. Long bottom leaf. Finest pipe made in the South Farthing. It's perfect. One oh. battle each. There's one thing that you may not notice, um, in, or you won't notice. Um, during the scene, since everything was quite loud um, from all the extras and, and supportings chattering around in the background, um, I have hearing loss. I mean, some pretty severe hearing loss. And I couldn't hear the lines. So um, one of the the uh, scale doubles, um, Ravi, um, who played the, uh, the the goblin, I think it was, in Smeagol's cave. When the, okay, one, yeah. The one that Smeagol killed for the, for the... Beats to death. Yeah, beat to death. Ravi was on set playing a scale double Hobbit. 
um, Robbie and I, Robbie and I have been friends for a long time. He's an AFK with me. Um, and he was standing be- behind a post with a, with an earpiece in to give me the cue to do whatever I needed to do to stand up and look mm-hmm. menacing and stuff like that. And Peter just said, okay, Robbie, you know, Dallas can't hear the cues. So can your small little butt stand behind this post and wave at him when he's supposed to do what he has to do? And um, that's just outside the box kind of thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Genius. I just wanted to ask you as well about your days filming. How, how many were there? And would you mind giving us a little walkthrough of what your average day on set was? I'm not sure if you only had to film for one or two days, but what would your average day be? I was there. I was in Wellington for a week um with uh four days filming altogether um they didn't have the character um set up to to run so they're building the costume around me um peter jackson um and the entire three foot three foot seven producer staff um philip and fran were there sitting in chairs and we're conversing as they're building this outfit around me it's like okay no cut it off here and they're, they're actually cutting leather around my body as three people <laughs> i admire are sitting there watching me okay they built boots specifically for me bespoke um, boots yeah all all bespoke stuff right there and and you know they want to shave my eyebrows and to shave my head and um you know they're building the gloves around my hands and and giving me the you know, here, hold this sword and hold this sword. And okay, this more looks more like what your character would carry. And so that was going on. Um, and then we got all that set up and I went to do the adjustments and, and the wardrobe. Um, so I went for, they took me back to the hotel and brilliant hotel. I mean, this is like a six star hotel that they'd rented out wow. for the, for the shoot. Ian McKellen was standing, staying there at the same time. That's where all the, all the uh, stars stayed. And so, I mean, you know, you'd see, you'd see all these famous actors walking through the hallways and I'm, you know, they took me to set. They came five in the morning, took me to set. I didn't have anything to do that day, but they wanted me on set. Um, so every morning uh, the call was, uh, I think my driver came to pick me up around 4 a.m. to get me into makeup and the costume. It, literally took about an hour to strap me into all this leather oh wow yeah and you didn't have to wear any makeup or anything yeah they they dirted me up a little bit um, yeah they, okay they put some smudge on me and shaved my eyebrows and made sure my hair was um shaved down every day and but i mean the, the mm-hmm. makeup was was very little um there was i remember seeing on i think it was reddit years ago um that they thought that Bill Senior was um, an orc hybrid. <laughs> um, thanks, I think. You know, there was no makeup involved here. <laughs> it's all natural. <laughs> yeah, all natural. And people, so, what are you saying there, man? They're <laughs> a hot orc. That's what they're saying. Yeah, now. yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, um, my my series AFK, I do play an orc. Yeah, I've seen I, I've seen images of you. Don't you have? kind of big tusks sticking yeah, out. Yeah, big tusks and all that. So, I mean, you know, I have this this orc vibe going on. So, um, it, it gets me paid. I mean, yeah. 
<laughs> so that's the main reason it's not for some deep level yeah. of these orcs. You know, I I don't mind it. I mean, I'm I'm like I said, I'm a big, scary looking, and I'm completely the opposite in real life. Um, I I try to be friendly with everybody, but it's like um, yeah, well, you seem to be. <laughs> as I said, with the resting fuck you face, people don't tend to get real close. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say, it's a, it's a credit to your acting because. You are a proper scary motherfucker <laughs> on, <laughs> on the Hobbit movie, but seeing you here today, I'm like, wow, it's a completely different person. Yeah, I mean, most of, most of the stuff that I get cast for is the uh, the antagonist roles. I get to play a lot of the baddies. Yeah, um, they're the best roles. And like I said, I, I found a niche and I filled it. We're not orcs. We're hobbits. Hobbits. With AFK, mm. I play um, completely opposite the type. Um, and I'll send you the link so you can watch parts of it. Cool, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to. We've been at this for seven years now. And it's just, it's the New Zealand industry, the independent industry down here. We just, we raise money and we shoot a season. Oh, Every right, time right. we're not on camera, we're raising money to shoot. Deadly. Oh, That's man. the series. I think I saw a synopsis of it. Is that where everyone wakes up and they're like a video game character? Yeah, yeah. They uh, they wake up and they are. Um, it's a MMORPG, MMORPG, right? Um, and people Massive wake up and multiplayer. They're from all over yeah. the world and they wake up in the bodies of their video game characters with none of the abilities. Okay, cool. Oh my god! And, um, <laughs> it's, it's got. It's, it kind of reminds me of Jumanji a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we were yeah. there before the latest Jumanji came out. Um, mm. We've been compared to like Sword Art on Sword Art Online and and such like that. Um, okay. And we we actually never the producers and the writing team never saw sword art before we started filming afk um the uh the showrunner peter haynes did a a very deep dive into uh, world of warcraft for like two years okay, yeah. almost didn't make it out and he based all these characters that he wrote on people he met online that okay wow so i mean that's where all that came from he's, he's like you know what would i do if i woke up in this world with knowing only what I know in real life and having to having to do everything in the fantasy world with none of the yeah. knowledge, none of the abilities. It's a really cool premise. I like yeah, it. it's a cool series, man. Yeah, I'll definitely be checking it out after this. For sure, for sure. So Dallas, what's the most frustrating thing that can happen as an actor in a small role such as your experience on The Hobbit? I mean, like uh, if you're shooting scenes and then they don't actually make the final cut, I'm sure that must be frustrating, for example, getting into makeup and getting that, like you said, 30 kilos on uh, and going to set, spending a full day shooting, and then it doesn't even get used. I mean, is that something that really annoys you or is it just something that every actor gets used to? You know, I'll be honest, it's it's disappointing. Like I said, there was there was a, a good five minute sequence in The Hobbit that didn't get used. And we trained for like a day and a half, did all the blocking in the you know, stuff like that. And, you know, I basically chased um, Thorin through the streets of Bree, um, like a power walk chase. Mm. And I had to, um, before he gets into the Prancing Pony, um, I realized he was going indoors and I was going to lose my chance. So I had to vault this small, short wall, draw my sword and okay, yada, yada, yada. Um, so we blocked this for like, for like hours right so 
that all got cut out. I hope they I hope they bring it in to the uh, the unicorn edition whenever the director's cut, whatever that comes out, because it's a really good yeah. scene. Um, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hit uh, a hand cart. The, the, there was a guy pulling a, um, a hand cart between Thorin and myself, and I had to run into it to block me from getting to him. Um, and I ended up right. ass over tea kettle. <laughs> And did you have to do that like many, many times? Just keep on running into that car? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and they uh, they um, adjusted the the camera position, so they had to adjust the the handcart position. And I had this blocked out, and I had my steps counted, and I leapt and took one step and ran into the handcart and put my hands on it like this. And they adjusted the um, the camera position, so they moved the handcart closer to the wall. So I'm at full speed here. Vault the wall, take one step, supposed to take two, and bang, straight ribs first into the handcart. And I hit the ground, I'm I'm laying there, I'm like <gasps> Peter Peter Jackson comes over and he goes, Dallas, are you okay? And I'm like, Did you get that? <laughs> I'm sorry, it wasn't recording. And after all that, they they didn't use it. So yeah, that must be like that must be frustrating. Yeah, like I said, it's disappointing, but that's that's the way the films are made. And some mm. things you're going to shoot, and it's going to be an amazing scene. And they spent million dollars on special effects and explosives and everything like that, and it just doesn't get used. I, I want to see these scenes. Yeah, and like, does that happen very often in your experience? Like, and also, what kind of time and money gets wasted in in those kind of situations? Yeah, yeah, that happens. That happens more than you'd expect, to be honest. There's there's huge parts of like every movie that just does not get used, and like I said, they spent a million dollars on stunt people and explosives and all this. It's just, we got to cut something. This doesn't really go with the story that we want to tell. So this has got to go. And I don't care if we spent $2 million on it. It it doesn't fit with the film. Sure. Wow. If you're the person making that decision, it's a, it must be difficult decision to make, to know the cost that's gone into something and to say like, ultimately if it doesn't fit with the movie, it's got to go. I'm, kind of a producer myself and I don't know if I could make that call. It's like, well, you know, let's storyboard this out and see if it fl- flows with the narrative before we spend a million dollars on stunt on explosives. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, it, it boggles the mind when when it actually comes down to the person that's making that decision. Yeah. Like it, like you said it should be done in storyboard or um mm-hmm. before the movie's shot. Uh, I I couldn't do it. Sorry. It's been a long time since anything but rumor was heard of thread. So you mentioned there that you actually carried a sword on set. And I wanted to just quickly ask you, with the recent death on a movie set where Alec Baldwin was involved because of the use of a prop gun, I think it would be interesting to hear what the procedure is like on a movie set like this regarding the use of weapons. And then also for you as the actor, what's it like to walk around and to carry a sword does it affect your movement and is it really heavy or is it a toy is it a real sword what material is it made from and just things like that it was a real forged steel sword wow and here's the thing with the um with the the death of the uh, cinematographer recently everybody's like well mm-hmm. the weaponry blah 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 here in new mm-hmm. zealand our armors are top of the line okay yeah Wow, that's good. Even with the bladed weapons, if there's steel involved, as soon as that cut is called, the armorers will come over and collect the weaponry. 
Okay. And mm-hmm. they don't hand it back right. to you until the director calls standby, get ready to shoot. You know, I did not have a sword in my hand when I was not on camera. Um, yeah. It was, it was an, it was an actual steel hero sword. Um, there was a, there was a, um, a scene that didn't get used where they do a side shot of myself and squint walking down the main street of Bree. And we both draw our swords at the same time, like choreographed. And the way that I saw it on the playback, um, they did a, a quick zoom in on the swords and the sword was, was decorated and had runic carvings on it. And it was, it was gorgeous. And you could not have done this with like fiberglass or, or foam or whatever. It had to be a steel sword. Mm. So, um, yeah, it was, it was actual, it wasn't sharp, obviously, but it was taken off me when I didn't need it and given back to me when I did. Sure. Deadly. It wasn't sharp, but you could still do damage with it, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was definitely pokey. <laughs> that's what you wanted from a sword, I, I imagine. That's yeah, you the... want pokey from a sword. Yeah, exactly. It's a good quality for a sword to have. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I mean, you know, gun, knife, sword, whatever, there's, if you let somebody on set carry their weapon around with them, there's always going to be this one dumbass in the background that's trying to relive his lord of the rings fantasy and have a sword yeah. like the cameraman <laughs> yeah of course that that would 100 percent be me some dumbass yeah exactly <laughs> i was just thinking i'd probably do that yeah so it's probably a good thing that they take if them they off let me keep the sword i would have been doing like swinging it around and because <laughs> i'm that kind of idiot. You're, you'd be just, just destroying the set that peter jackson has worked so hard to create <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah i don't think we can trust dallas <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We had to cut his scenes because he cut up the set. <laughs> the Black Knight always triumphs! How are you? So we, uh, we briefly touched on some of the negative aspects, but uh, what about some of the best things about being an actor and working in the industry? Uh, do you get to see lots of cool new places and people? Yeah, well, I mean, because of The Hobbit, um, my whole 34 seconds on screen, I've, I got to do, I've got to do... Um, conventions in Europe. I did the uh, Hobbit Con 4 in Bonn, Germany, where I got to work with all the Kiwi dwarves and um, a few of them, wow. you know, John Callan and myself are still friends and I still talk with uh, Mark Atkin and, um, you know, my, my wife is actually friends with Graham. Um, before she even met me, she, she was mates with him for the longest time. And, you know, I still talk with Jed Brophy and, and John Callan and, you know, the friendships that, that I've gained out of this little experience and the places I've been able to see because of my 34 seconds on this screen have just been life-altering. That's incredible. As you said, they, they immediately treated you almost like family. Uh, obviously, it wasn't just like a nice gesture or something nice to say. It was actually true in that sense that they yeah. you kind of built a little family community from that. So that's that's amazing. Yeah, it's like it's like all these um all these main cast guys were saying well like i got the swords i carried in the film peter jackson gave me the swords i carried in the film and you know i got to keep the cape and you know the jewelry and whatever else and you know i stole an apple and a chocolate fish out of the out of the, <laughs> uh, the trailer i was in so <laughs> don't tell pj uh, <laughs> i won't <laughs> i was going to ask you about that actually if you had kept any props or anything sneaky from the snet from the from the snet from the set no, um, 
you know, in hindsight, I probably could have. Yeah. Um, you know, I grew my eyebrows back finally, um, which was nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, you know, I wanted to get a, uh, I wanted to get a photo with Ian McKellen. Um, we wrapped around the same time. By the time he got all his makeup and prosthetics off and stuff like that, I'm, I'm so quick to get out of my stuff that I was done an hour before he was. And I'd asked yeah. him prior to, we shared a, we shared a, um, a green room on set and we got talking oh, okay. and, you know, just the, the, the breadth of knowledge this man has mm, about life in general and the industry in specific. Um, and he's generous with it. I mean, he does not, he's talking like you and I are. Mm. Um, that's so good to hear being such a big Ian McKellen yeah. fan I'm just I, I it would break my heart if I heard the opposite of him like no he's a dick so you know, uh, he's, he's generous of spirit he's he's fucking hilarious he seems it he does yeah. he does he is an absolute scream <laughs> um and we sat and we we had a lovely conversation in the green room between shoots between shots and he's he's just a brilliant human being you know in addition to being Ian McKellen, right? <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. My God. I, I actually remember that uh, reunion video they did during the lockdown with the cast of Lord of the Rings. And he came on with his glass of wine in hand and he was absolutely hilarious. Everyone was just in stitches listening to him. <laughs> yeah, no, he's... He, he seems like yeah, a proper he's, legend. He's 100% the life of the party. Whenever you put him in a room, he's going to be the center of attention just because he's he's so damn gregarious about it all. Yeah, you know he's what eighty coming up on eighty or something like that now, and he's something like that, through yeah. the West End and Shakespeare in the Park and everything for the last sixty years of his career, and he's seen and done it all, and he's happy to share it, and he's happy to to boost a young actor coming in. Yeah, you know he he made me he made me feel relaxed and accepted more than anybody on the set wow that's that's incredible i suppose that's what's gotten him so far as well like he's he's loved what he's been doing for years and yeah he's he's just willing to pass on the knowledge i think the experience that i had on um on the smog set convinced me that this is what i wanted to do for the rest of my life wow that's really really cool i urged him to march upon erebor to destroy the dragon and take back the lonely mountain and i would say the same to you take back your homeland uh i had to bring it up because you mentioned that you were sharing a hotel with all the the actors from the hobbit so was there any little shenanigans that were going on during let's say off off camera you know i couldn't tell you by the time, by the time we wrapped i was so exhausted and mm. filthy and just i broke into the, the the bar and filled up the hot tub and nice yeah <laughs> that's, that's the thing people think that oh yeah well these people all they get off work and they're gonna go down to the pub and party and all this no we're exhausted yeah uh, i'd imagine yeah how long was because you, you said um was it five five a.m that you were up to go to set and so how long was an average what time in the evening would you get home oh gosh um I'd get to set about 4.30 in the morning and wouldn't get Oof. back to the hotel until 8 or 9, 10 that night. Oh, God. 
my god yeah so i mean they're, they're <laughs> pushing the cruising cast hard yeah what do you mean you didn't party <laughs> yeah there's, there's no energy left to party i mean yeah. I, I break into the, the the rune bar or something like that and i got you know i got the bubble tub filled up and i just want to sit in this bubble tub and soak the the armor that they had me on i'm, I'm walking through the streets of Bree, they had the wind going and the rain machines working. And when you've got 20, 30 kgs of leather on you, and then they walk you through a blowing rainstorm over and over and over again, that leather is going to soak that water up. So 20 or 30 leather turns into 80 or 90 kgs of leather by the end of the day. So it's just like a massive leg day workout. Yeah, yeah, that means, you know, leg day, back day, um, and because they made this armor around me on the day, it wasn't well fitted like some of the dwarven armor was, where they had the Mm. good supports to carry the weight high and, you know, keep it off the lower back and all that stuff. It was just literally wrapped around me and screwed in. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, it was not, I was not supported, it was not, um balanced um it was draped over me and and stapled on so i carried all this weight on the wrong parts of my body the wet leather weight and i just i just i want to go and sleep yeah well i i can't shake the thought of bill fernie senior after a long day's work as a mercenary going home and taking a bubble bath and getting in bed (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah sitting in a sitting in a hot tub and big glass of wine and a couple of little hotel bottles full of vodka and you're you're ready no lovely it's a drinking last one standing wins <laughs> i just wanted to ask you as well you're featuring in the upcoming netflix series cowboy bebop uh the trailer just dropped and i watched it the other day and it looks amazing the music it was amazing class. it looked yeah. unreal i just wanted to ask you uh, is there anything you could tell us about the series and about the character that you play um i can't give details but i did work with um with the three leads mm-hmm. and it's a it's a funny set funny scene um cool. when it all comes down to it uh I do recall that John Cho forgot to put the Camaro in park when he jumped out of it and damn near took out the, the camera crew. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> he's he's a lot of fun to work with. Um, Is he? Yeah. Mustafa's brilliant and down to earth. And um, Danielle, I didn't really get a whole lot of time with her. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so um, but no, uh, Mustafa's just chill and laid back, and he's got this the, the ultimate playlist on his phone. Um, John Cho <laughs> is spastic. <laughs> he's mate. He's um, you you gotta like put a leash on him, but he's he's right. an absolute blast to work with. Uh, right, well. We know you're you're a busy man, uh, Dallas, so we won't keep you any longer. This has actually really been so cool. It's been uh, such a pleasure. And it's been so cool to hear some of these uh, stories from behind the scenes and different things that goes on. But um, we would love to have you back again at some time. And thank you so much for coming on. And we really look forward to seeing you in Cowboy Bebop. Mm. Thanks for having me on. If I could just uh, drop a link on Twitter. It's uh, Dallas Barnett 3 
or uh, AFK web series. Check us out. Perfect. Yeah. And we will be linking those in the podcast when this comes out as well. Um, yeah. So th- thanks so much, man, for coming on. And thanks for having me. We'll definitely have to have you on again. And sure, we'll keep in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So that was great, wasn't it? He was he was a really nice lad, wasn't he? Yeah, he was cool. He was chill. Yeah, he was enjoyed it. Down to earth. Quite that a lot. Very nice. And uh, that was cool. I enjoyed a lot of uh, a lot of his little tidbits and stories that he gave us from behind the scene. I was so I was so like relieved when he told me that Ian McKellar was actually like a lovely man. A lovely man. I was man. so nervous he was going to say like, oh, he's a dick or something. Yeah. So when he said like, no, he's absolutely lovely and he's like the life and soul of the party. And in his own words, he was like, he's an absolute scream. Yeah. Which <laughs> is a fantastic way of describing somebody that's funny. I love that as well. Yeah, me too. So that was really cool. I don't think I've heard and anyone use that expression for a long, long time, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's not one that I hear too absolute often. Absolute scream. So whenever I hear it, I'm like... Wow, he must have been really funny. Yeah. <laughs> I just imagine he tells a joke and everyone just starts screaming with laughter. It was like, ah! <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's quite funny. To be honest, um, we had one of our questions was something along the lines of, uh, did you get to work much with Peter? Or did you get to see Peter Jackson? And straight away he was like, so Peter, me, me and Peter Jackson are like best buds and we're chatting away <laughs> to each other. I'm like, oh, class. I think we got know, so yeah. much more than... I was expecting. Yeah, I, I suppose I didn't expect him really to have as much interaction with Peter Jackson and with like uh, Ian McKellen and Richard Armitage and actors like that. Well, as in, I expected him to say like, oh yeah, they were lovely, but they were a little bit standoffish yeah. you know, and I didn't really get to get too close to them. But it was really cool that he was saying how like Peter Jackson just like uh, walked him down to set one day and was yeah. like, I'll walk you down there and I'll show you whatever and we'll go through whatever. And the same with like just how welcoming he said that the other actors were and how much he learned from them. So... That's really great to know. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm delighted. And we found out Richard Armitage isn't actually the size of a dwarf, which is good yes. to know. Yeah, I was sure. I mean, he's such a good actor. I was like, maybe he's just is a dwarf. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. I don't know. Also, uh, that was kind of interesting and topical when he spoke about the use of weapons on uh, like a, a Hollywood set. And yeah. Yeah, that was kind of cool as well. How, you know, obviously he said that there was no point where he was just standing around waiting, holding his sword and like swinging it around that like, you know, he uh, was given the sword just before they were ready to shoot the scene. And then as soon as they shouted cut, the guy came over and just took it off him again. So, yeah, um, so obviously, yeah, that's going to be a huge issue, I suppose, going forward, with, like the control of weapons on set. And um, yeah, yeah so it seems to be done properly was, in New Zealand anyways, which is good. Yeah, I wonder if that's a New Zealand thing or if that's just like, uh, you know, a high budget Hollywood movie. They know what they're doing. So because yeah. he said basically that the New Zealand uh, movie scene is kind of like really, uh, I don't know, everyone knows each other and it's pure chill. And then he yeah. said that when, when when The Hobbit rolled into town, it was like this whole, you know, basically mini Hollywood just came in and like took over for a while. And then when they left, it just went back to the way it was before. So. I wonder True, if that's yeah. the way it is in New Zealand or if that's... The, well, he did say sp- specifically that the specialists or the, the weapon specialists in New Zealand are top of the range. So maybe it's just a New Zealand thing, yeah. But anyway, what else did he tell us? Cowboy Bebop. Looking forward to that. Did you see the... Yeah. You, you saw the trailer. What do you think? I did. I did. I, I, I looks class. It looks class. Yeah. Yeah, it's like... Kind of gave me a bit of like Mandalorian vibes off it. Yeah, with the ship landing in. I've seen a couple of like comparisons with that, with the like cartoon TV show, because I've never seen it mm. before. But I don't know, it looks, yeah, Mandalorian vibes. Definitely got that as well. Yeah, I didn't know anything about it until you told me to check out the link. And then, uh, yeah, I was like immediately, I don't know, that's just 
I suppose when the Mandalorian started, I didn't like know anything about that either. And yeah. I just like I remember watching it, and immediately you're thrown into this world of like, oh, what's going on here? And I yeah. got similar vibes just from the just from the trailer now. So you know, we'll we'll have to wait and see. But that'll be that's coming out soon. That's coming out this week. Yeah, probably it's probably out by the time this episode airs. Maybe who knows? Maybe not. I think I think it comes out maybe a couple of days after this episode drops. So guys. Keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out for Cowboy Bebop and uh, let us know what you think of that as well. And of course, you know, go check out Dallas's uh, personal Twitter page and let him know. Tell him that you uh, you heard about him on our podcast and that now you're checking out his Cowboy Bebop show and I'm sure he'll be delighted. Yeah, keep an eye out for him in that show. And also, you mentioned the AFK web series, so I'm definitely going to go and have a sneaky look at that. So um, I will be enjoying those episodes <laughs> mm. Mm. right lots of stuff to do lots of stuff to check out mm. all right guys thanks for tuning in as always and we'll speak to you soon cheers So there you are, guys. That was an interview with Dallas Barnett, who had the pleasure of working under Peter Jackson on his second Hobbit movie and sharing the screen with the one and only Sir Ian McKellen, among others. We had a blast talking to Dallas, and he's a real down-to-earth guy who was more than happy to share his time with us and give some more insights into the behind-the-scenes of a Lord of the Rings movie set. Please keep an eye out for him in the upcoming Netflix series Cowboy Bebop, or check out his web series AFK. We hope you've all found this as interesting as we did and a huge thanks to all of our listeners as always. Remember, if you did enjoy this episode, please share it with a friend or on social media and give us a comment and a five-star review and check the links in the description for ways to follow us and support us. That's it from Dave and myself. Speak to you again next week.